because you're jumping back into the gut. All right. Hey, Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Grateful to be joined today by Butler head coach Lavelle Jordan. Coach, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, great to have you here. Hey, Chris. I'm excited to be here. I feel uh, blessed to be honored and uh, enjoy our conversations when we get to meet in person. So looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Well, yeah, why not share it with everyone now? And, uh, you know, so many ways, I mean, your career path, and I encourage coaches to check in your career path a little bit and uh, all the different steps that you took along the way, great mentors and really great process that you've gone through to get to this point. But uh, I want to focus on defense and uh, defensive identity. And maybe just give us a quick overview of what the defensive identity of your program is. Yeah, it's um, just from an identity standpoint, you know, the – just the the phrasing uh, that we use is just uh, we dictate, and so you know, trying to get our guys in the mindset that you know, if we stick to our principles, we control and and dictate what type of opportunities we give up, and then we got to dominate. You know, so to we we say dictate and dominate and finish. So play the game at our will, uh, play it our way, and and try to dictate that and establish that dominate effort plays and team plays. And then finish every possession every time and have a have an obsession to finish uh, if you were to, I guess, simplify it. And so, you know, our guys hear that message constantly. It's the same message I heard when I was a player here. Uh, maybe not in the same language, but it was be tough enough to dictate and uh, force the game to be played, you know, the way we want it to be played. Love that terminology in terms of that. And often we probably relate sometimes when a coach talked about dictating on defense to being a more aggressive philosophy, but you guys are generally a pack line team. So connect that for us in terms of what are you trying to dictate for the other team? Yeah, that's, that's a, a good question. I think, you know, for us, defense starts with offense. So first things first is, you know, ball security on the offensive side so that we don't, you know, give up easy baskets, you know, off turnovers, turnovers for touchdowns, as they say. And so, you know, our guys know that and we explain that to them, hey, our defense starts with our offense, so it's hard to guard turnovers. So taking care of the basketball is the first part of our defense. Shot selection is the next part because now we can get our, our floor balanced. So offensively, I think there's it's not football where, you know, one side's on the field and the other side's on the field and, and they're not connected. And so the shots that we – our shot selection and our, our ability to, to be tough with the ball start, you know, our transition defense. And, and so that's probably the first thing is, you know, limiting quick strikes in transition. And um, when we're talking about dictating, so, you know, having that philosophy, having that established and having the mentality to be, try to be great, uh, a great transition team, which means you're taking care of the ball and taking good shots. Uh, and then everybody's doing their job on the lift of the shot when it's a, you know, when it is a shot opportunity that we like and when everybody's going. So we got go guys and get back guys. Kind of first things first to make sure we want our opponent to play against a set half court defense. And uh, we feel good about our chances if we can, we're back and we're set. Love that you connected those two things because often coaches treat those as two separate things and uh, the offense and defense and vice versa go together. And the other part that is kind of a misnomer is like even using a term like pack line or anything like that to describe what a team does. Because again, that's an oversimplification. And the example I think about when I think about your defense is that, you know, even though you look like you're playing in the gaps, you guys seem really, really effective at defending the three-point line. Can you talk about those two things coming together and the emphasis on defending the three-point line? Yeah, yeah. So in terms of what are we trying to get accomplished, I think you had asked that earlier. We can dictate, you know, tough twos, tough contested twos and limit the uh, catch and shoot threes. And we didn't do a great job of that. Like, you know, it was, when we got in the Big East play, you know, we struggled with that for, we're trying to figure out why and going back and doing all the an, an analysis and evaluation of our film. And, but, you know, that's what we want is, is tough twos. And then 
having a mindset that we're forcing misses. And that means, you know, everything's contested. So being tough at the rim and making sure everything's challenged, you know, on the three to get there. And so, you know, we do a ton of closeouts. Yeah, I think that's probably the hardest thing to do in the game of basketball and every most opponents you're trying to you're playing against now with the with the way the floor is spaced and the game is played, trying to get you in closeouts. So we spend a, a good amount of time in closeouts and playing one on one. You know, one on one is a big a big part of it so that we can limit help. We don't talk help as much as we say support, because if you have to help, if we gotta keep helping you, then then uh you probably gotta come out of the game. Uh so if you can Guard your yard, be a level one defender, as we call it. You can just, you can guard your man and keep him in front and not require actual help. Uh, but we are in the gaps to support and then recover, you know, and, and get to the line. And the next guy is doing the same thing in terms of our positioning and our recovery. So with the closeout and, uh, you know, with that guard the yard mentality, what, what are you teaching in terms of that first closeout situation? Are we talking – Hands up, hands down. What type of emphasis are we creating in the closeout? Yeah, we're, we're two hands high, hard, and vocal. And so that we, you know, because you know, you'll get into some scrambles and, and you got to be high level with your communication. So I know a lot of the teams, you know, and, and, and coaches have to decide, you know, if you want to force the ball one way or the other. You know, we square up on the ball, but we're high, hard, and vocal with two hands, uh, closing to touch, you know, arms distance. And then, you know, doing what we can to keep the defender, keep smart pressure on the ball. I thought we did a better job of that this, this past season and having active hands. We had two elite defenders on the ball with Kamara Ball and Aaron Thompson. And, but having smart pressure on the ball and bottling the ball and keeping the offensive player off balance. And then being able to flatten out the drive from the top and on the wings, you know, no, no baseline, no straight line in terms of, the job of the primary defender on the ball and, to, and what we're asking him to do. Yeah, that's great. And uh, I mean, just going back to that supporting, not helping is such an important mentality about just again, like the problem with being really good defensively and help is that your players tend to rely on that as opposed to covering one-on-one matchup. So outside of one-on-one, what are some different ways that you create that emphasis within practice or within film or, you know, within your program to be able to create that one-on-one defensive mentality? Yeah, you know, I love um, scramble drills, like four versus three, where you got to close and and recover and be able to guard, you know, at a disadvantage and, and have put put a lot of pressure on, like I said, the primary defender that's closing on the ball to keep the ball in front. Uh, and then you got two guys guard. So we, we, we spend a pretty good amount of time in, because I think it, one, creates an urgency to get two shooters uh, on the line. Right. When you're when you're at a disadvantage. And so uh, we, we do a lot of those just to have the urgency. Again, we want to dominate effort plays. And that's an effort thing. It's like you got to you got to play hard, man. <laughs> you know, and you got to and you're going to play against really good teams that move the ball around and, and they're good at sucking you in and, and swinging it. And so you got to you got to have an effort and a second effort. So those create an urgency to get there and then do a great job now because, you know, your teammates uh and your teammates are counting on you. So if you can do a great job on on one, uh, you keep them from scrambling around when two are trying to guard three, if that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, just even referencing, I mean, defense, so much of it, it really does come down to playing hard and effort and those different things. But, you know, there's obviously skill, there's scheme, there's all those things. But outside mm-hmm. of recruiting, how do you improve competing? How do you improve competing? Because even the players that you recruit that are competitive, do you feel like you can make them more competitive? And then if so, how? What are some things that you do? Yeah, I, I think recruiting is a big part of it. You got to recruit and you're attracted and you got to recruit competitive guys. You know, I think one of the big questions for coaches and, and uh, I've heard Bill, Bill Belichick speak on this or mention this before is like how well does your, uh, you know, your system line up with your, like your values and standards, right? Your culture, because I think those two things, things are tied together. And I know for us, like accountability is a big part of our culture, uh, just in terms of being in a locker room. So now when there's, you know, pressure applied or adverse situations or that we put them in on the court in practice, they, you know, everybody understands they're going to be held accountable to a certain standard. And, 
and uh, that doesn't drop or dip or so you gotta you know you're gonna have to get it done and and I think that's a big part of it and and so we there is a recruiting piece but then there's a there's a culture piece that does drive it and and forcing you know I think we speak on a toughness is a choice and we we preach that and uh, it's always been a thing here. I know when Brad was here and and uh, when I was playing here and coaches that have come, Barry Collier, Thad Mata, Todd Licklider, you know, all of them that has kind of grown over the years and different, like I said, different phrasing. But uh, one of the things that's always stuck is uh, toughness is a choice and the game honors toughness. Um, and, and so uh, being tough enough to match when you're blue team, white team, uh, your, your job is to force, you know, blue is to force white to make a choice. Um, to apply pressure to them, and uh, and they've got to choose uh, their response. And same thing, white versus blue. And you know, at the end of practice, we we all dap it up, and you know, and and circle up, and and shake hands, and and stretch. But in the midst of the practices, you know, having a a culture that creates a certain standard and applies a certain amount of pressure, and you know, putting them in drill situations or scenarios. But uh, I think those two are tied together. If that if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the Butler way is something that we read about. We see it in articles and stuff like that. But I'd like you to talk a little bit about the Butler one-on-one sessions, if you would. Just talk about kind of what those are and, you know, what would be something that coaches could take away from that type of thing to add it to their program. Yeah, you know, I think this, you know, what I've learned over the the course of uh, my career and, you know, coming out of an, an experience at Iowa where we where I was on staff with Coach Licklider, who I love, I think is one of the best, you know, out there. You know, one of the things that, you know, stood out to me after that experience was trying to do a better job of, of educating and cultivating the culture and growing in that area, me personally, and being able to actually teach it. Because we all say leadership and culture are like two terms that are thrown around a lot, right? We need, we need guys to be better leaders. So it's more, you know, equipping them with, with the things that, the tool set, you know, skill set. Uh, and we talk mindset and skill set all the time. And so you got to equip them with the skill set and also uh, the mindset. And so um, those meetings are more for just cultivation, education, tell, continue to tell the story of what you want your program, what your program is, others that have done it, examples, uh, and, and providing that to them as you educate. You know, we've got like for instance, this 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 season we're gonna have six newcomers, so those guys need to be educated on you know what the culture is. Uh, big responsibility that is on the upperclassmen, uh, but it's also on us as a staff to you know to to make sure we teach it, make sure there's clarity. Um, I think clarity is king. So uh, now when we move as we move forward, you know there's a clear understanding of the standard and how we behave. So. Within these, are these off-season sessions? Are these generally in meeting form? Are they informal? Uh, what type of process is it actually in terms of the execution of these sessions? Yeah, usually in summer um, because we, we get our guys for a good portion of the summer. And uh, so just spending time on a weekly basis where they've got a little more time. You know, schedules aren't as hectic. They're taking a couple classes. But uh, just, you know, again, spending some time to, you know, sit down and actually talk about it and have, have the dialogue, uh, have a framework and have a, have an objective to, like I said, educate, cultivate, you know, what we want to be, continue to be, you know, it's what Butler's been. You know, our job is to continue to uphold the standard, but it's hard to do that if you don't, if you don't know it and you don't understand it. And I think you know, old school may have been, uh, you just, you know, figure it out and do what the other guys did. And, and that's kind of how it goes. But I think there is, there is a level of when guys, understand a little better they, they get more committed and, and get a better sense a, a greater sense of appreciation for it yeah it connects to this generation that wants to know why why like sure. don't just tell me teach me why too yeah and because what happens chris is now you're going to get out there right and and so it's like hey when you hit the edge right when you hit the edge and it, and it gets tough and you've got that choice to make you know, are you going to push through for excellence? Are you going to push through to uphold the standard? Are you, you're going to respond when you're going to make a choice, and that choice is going to lead to a response. So, are you going to, you know, choose to do it the way we were saying we do it here, or not? You know, when you, you know, when you kind of hit that line and, and you got to make a choice, and 
and again, to be able to provide those situations in practice so that, you know, there's discomfort <laughs> and yeah. you got to choose. Yeah, that's great. And uh, we, we were talking just briefly, but about simplicity. That's a compliment, right? Like you guys being simple in what you do is a compliment and that you actually have gone through some steps of bringing even more clarity to what you do within your program by getting even simpler. And can you talk to us about that process? Maybe start first with the value of simplicity. Yeah, I just, like I said, I think clarity is king. And I think it's when you are simple, you can be more clear and you can emphasize consistently uh, because that's what's, you know, you get the, the trust from being consistent as a, you know, if you're all over the place, uh, if we're doing it this way and maybe we can do it that way. And, and there's a lack of consistency in the messaging or, you know, maybe in the system itself. Now, you know, it's hard to hold people accountable. And so, and it's hard for guys to own, uh, own it. If they're, if it's so complex that you're trying to constantly trying to figure out what it is, uh, that you need that, that someone's asking you to own. So I think that's, you know, the simplicity piece um, is big because now you can discipline yourself to, you know, to, to do it. If it's, if you got a clear understanding, but it's, if it's simple, it's not easy <laughs> by any means, but it is clear. And then, you know, I went through a personal stretch where I had to you know, kind of stop beating, beating myself up about, you know, you, you just take losses tough and you go back and you're trying to figure out what you did, you know, wrong, just, and just remind myself to just, hey, not beat up, not beat myself up, not beat the guys up, just keep communicating clearly, you know, what the standard is. And because uh, guys want to live up to it and they want to do it um, as long as they're clear on what it is. Uh, and if it's simple, you know, that's, so getting to that, I think is important, you know, what's important to you. So then you can, like I said, simplify your message, probably simplify a lot of, you know, a lot of the other things too. So the one example I read in an article was basically about, I think you said, talked about like having five or six transition defensive drills and then getting down to say two defensive drills. I don't know if that's the exact example, but that process of subtracting things that yeah. you previously used and had success with it, that's not easy, is it? Not at all. Cause you, you like, you know, we like some of the things we like, like I've heard you talk about the three man weave, you know, you're like, <laughs> yeah. used to it. You're custom. It's like one of the things you do. And like, it's, it's part of it. Uh, but really taking a dive. And I thought our staff did a good job, uh, you know, after the previous season of, of really taking a dive into what we do and trying to figure out what are the essentials. And we're all living in that circumstance right now. It's like essential workers, you know, unfortunately, based on this, the circumstances with COVID-19 and a pandemic, uh, you know, what are the essentials? And, and we kind of dove into that journey last uh, off season and trying to get to, um, you know, hey, what makes a good defense? What makes a good offense? What, what in, our, in our opinion, and then let's practice that and, and try to get good, uh, get good at, you know, what you want. can't be good at everything, right? So let's get good at one, what, the things that we want to get good at. So transition defense, and and now, you know, if you're, do we need all the transition defensive drills that we've ever seen? Because there's a lot of great ones out there. Now let's get the, the core group and then get a lot of repetitions because I think repetition is the key to knowledge. Uh, so then everybody's clear, you know, who's going, who's getting back, uh, you know, how we, load, how we load to the ball, what the communication is, and, and they've got a better chance. Now we can to find success. Um, if we're trying to figure out the, 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 how the drill goes every third day, you know, they're trying to figure that out rather than communicate their, their, their job description. That last point just needs to be hammered home a little bit more. Because, again, you're absolutely right. Like too often players spend so much time learning the drill that they don't get the time to learn what you're actually trying to connect for them to the game. And the drill becomes the learning instead of, as you said, what they need to actually do for the game. So I'm happy you, you talked about that. And are there other areas that you, you found outside of transition defense that uh, this process was really important for too? Yeah, I think holistically, 
Chris, of just getting to, you know, what's the, uh, like I said, the, the essentials and, and, you know, what are the things that kind of need to be in your practice, you know, that we need to work on every day because that's what we want to be good at. Because there's a lot, right, you know, when you get into our defense, well, there's, you know, our post defense and our ball screen defense and our, you know, if we play, if we want to play any zone defense and uh, situations and, you know, late game, and there's a lot, but the core of, and we have to cover all that, but what do we want to make sure we're doing every day? Guys are very clear on, so now they can own it. Uh, I think ownership is a big piece. And so that area, that process, getting to, all right, here are the things that, you know, we know we're going to practice every day. And then building around that to build in the times to do some of the other things along the way, but, you know, getting to that core. Going with that then, what does teaching look like in your practices? Your players are in a closeout drill or they're in one of your defensive transition drills. What are you doing within those drills to teach? Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, you know, uh, a big part of it is on our, you know, like our staff's got to be good. I think, you know, the t- the teaching points, um, trying to be, make sure we got clear teaching points. So if we're in the closeout drill, you know, high, hard and vocal. Um, and that's how we're doing, you know, closing to touch and getting guys to to see it, uh, providing, you know, hopefully our upperclassmen can be great examples, um, you know, and get them clear on what they're trying to get accomplished because I think that's important. So force a cut tough contested too. So, cause there is, you know, and sometimes justified means, um, cause there's a mindset to that, right. Um, you know, finishing, if we got to be obsessed to finish, cause you can, we can do a lot of those things right in a shell drill. Uh, we're playing a live four on four. Uh, we can get a lot of the technique, right. Uh, and we're teaching the technique with footwork and how you, you know, lead, lead, step and push and reach and show your hands and not foul. And uh, we're doing our, you know, wall up drills so we can be tough at the rim. Uh, and there's, an, you know, teaching points to that, you know, chest out, arms back. Um, but then when the shot goes up, there's a mindset to that because you can get that all right. And if you give up a second opportunity, did you really get it right? And so there's, you know, there's a, so just being clue, you know, I think creating that, uh, the mindset to, to finish is important for us uh, because we don't want to give up. We don't want to have to do it all over again. Um, so in the midst of the teaching, there is a, the end in mind. You know, if we make them take a tough, a tough one, there's technique involved, but force a tough contested too and finish the possession. Um, so there's a mental toughness uh, to that too. Now, if we're in position, you know, when we're talking about positioning, we got a better shot at, at accomplishing those things. So here's, here's what we're trying to do and what we're trying to get accomplished. Here's how we're trying to get it accomplished. Uh, and here's why, you know, here's why we do it the way we do it, if, if that makes sense. So, yes, it does. And, and the other part that I read uh, about you and, and just knowing you a little bit, you're not a yeller. But even more so, you're, you talked about your playing career, how that didn't help you. That didn't do anything for you. You just wanted to be told, to a certain extent, what you could do or what you could do better. Can you talk about how you correct then within your practices since you aren't a yeller? Yeah, and I think high demand is important. It's like there's a high level of demand. And then there's, you know, there's really no, there's not a lot of gray uh, in it. You know, Coach Licklider, who played under as an assistant here and then worked for, used to always say, hey, there's, you're either on our team or you're on their team. And so, that that's not something you need to yell. Like you turn the ball over, you, you're with them. <laughs> so take care of the ball. Make sure you're on our team. Like if you, if you continue to get beat on a close, and we got to help you all the time, you got to be on our team. And so uh, getting guys established, and, and they all want to, but I think the ability to control your emotions in terms of teaching is important. And then that's critical just in general, uh, but also you know having a, a high demand. Uh, is important and there's a, and a high level of accountability to it. And so, you know, whether it's in, in drills, the feedback is important. And then, ca- you know, in terms of accountability, like catching, you know, uh, catching guys in the moment, if you can do that, uh, it's like your dog when, <laughs> if you can catch them while they're, while they're pottying, it's a lot better than, you know, hitting them at the newspaper you know, 20 minutes later because you, you see it over there in the corner um, and giving them a chance to get it right. 
And so, um, you know, we, we try try to emphasize that with our staff. If, you know, if a guy's in the front of the line and he screws it up, like you send him to the back of the line where well, he just had one bad rep. Um, so give him at least a chance to equal it out, like do it again, get it right, maybe even over, you know, get more right than wrong, give him a couple chances to get it right. Um, so that now that that's the muscle memory and that's the habit we're, we're creating. Yelling at him about doing it wrong is great, but did he get a chance to do it right? that makes you know if that if that connects because that's what he's going to connect and then praise what you want but there's accountability when there's when you don't get it right but then you got to have opportunities to do it right and and um and execute what we want to execute the more guys we can have do that that the better we're going to be hey coach brief interruption of the podcast i'd like to take a second to shout out the network that helps distribute our show armchair media armchair is a collection of 50 plus podcasts including ours trying to localize the sports world a little bit more. We've been very fortunate to join them over the last three months and have enjoyed growing our audience with theirs. Starting June 1st, Bet Online will serve as a title sponsor for Armchair as well as our show. They have live and simulated sports as well as $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge you can enter for free. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device to check out the action. Bet Online is your online wagering solution. To see all things Armchair, search Armchair Media wherever you get your pods. Also check out Armchair's website, armchairmedianetwork.com, and their social channels at Armchair Media. Armchair Media, those who can do, those who can't, hashtag take a seat. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I imagine the other benefit of like less drills or less fluff or more to the point, uh, less jargon or less terminology for both your offense and defense and your, your program in general is that you do get right to the point and you get more to the point of things that actually help your players improve or your team win. And uh, has that always been the mindset of the people you've been around, or is this something that you've evolved to through their, you know, through your experiences? Yeah, I think, you know, what ha- happens is you're around for me and, and, and like uh, like Coach Beeline, for instance, who I was with six years at Michigan, and he was un- unbelievable to be around each and every day and just learn and pick his brain and just watch him, you know, how he uh, runs a program, communicates with his staff, you know, is just a tremendous you know, C- CEO, if you will, for, you know, in, in terms of structure. But uh, like I said, he used to always say, you can do anything you want, you can't do everything you want. And so... You know, I could listen to all your pot. You've got unbelievable minds coming on here and, and giving out great information. And um, yeah, I could go back and be even more confused when I get back to my desk because it all sounds awesome and, and it all works. And there's credible people, um, you know, that are, that are speaking on things. And, and But we can't do it all. Um, and so re- really getting to the, the core of, you know, who, how we want to do it and who we want to be. Um, and maybe stealing, you know, we're co- all coaches are uh, great coaches are, you know, we're great thieves, right? We, we take from each other and, and kind of adjust it to be our own. Um, so that process for me is in, in this role as, as a head coach has been has been a process, you know, just kind of narrowing it, narrowing it down and honing in, you know, on what those things are and, and, and how I want to communicate it and, and go about, you know, implementation. I actually love that you said that you listen to the podcast and obviously you get great ideas. Clearly, I love that. But to a certain extent, based on what you're saying, and and I'm I'm, imagining this for other coaches, that listening to the podcast is almost a waste of time to a certain extent because you don't want more ideas, right? (laughs) Like it's almost like this contradiction, right? But it's... Can you talk about that a little bit? Because that process, because that just struck me. Because obviously, I want you to listen to the podcast, Coach. Don't change. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious about that. No, I, I think there's is like there's things you can add that there's a lot of affirmation, but then there's phrasing that you can get language maybe that that it's got to fit to to what you already do though. It can't be so out of the box that you know everybody's wondering you know if we're changing who we are. So it has to it has to be in alignment with who you are. But there's things that you can certainly you can't you're not going to stay exactly the same. Like there's there's an adaptation, but you can't you can't just change who you are or change your your philosophy completely. Um, but there's there's things you can add for sure 
you know, it's 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 like anything else we have in our lives, right? There's like there's gonna be gonna be an iPhone seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, X and um but it's all built on, you know, the 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 foundation of, you know, the the, the iPhone and what it stands for. And um so, you know, same same thing with our and I encourage our staff to be out like crazy. Right now is a great time, you know, to to self develop, you know, reach out, branch out you know, bring back something new to the table that we can discuss and, and we'll figure out if it's, if we're going to actually implement it or not, but there's so many good ideas out there. We don't like, and we don't know them all. So, so yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not pointless uh, because you're going to get something. Uh, and a lot of times, like I said, there's affirmation, but many times there's also a uh, thought of hmm, maybe we could, maybe we can do that in our own way. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate you talking about that in that way too. So, and, and to me, like, it's like you said, affirmations, which is so important at all level of coaches, just to kind of, to confirm it, but also the, it, it helps build your convictions a little bit more, right? Like your absolute belief that what I'm doing is right. Even though this person believes something completely different. And I've had some other coaches phrase it to me like that too, uh, which is just as fascinating in a way. Yeah. And I think the core of it is, that right but then what you get is the, the little nuances of phrasings or uh drills you know different ways to emphasize you know that that core identity uh that those core beliefs that you have you know, the core things that you want to be about uh that's the that's kind of the fun part of you know talking to other coaches and being a fly on the wall I and mean, with with great minds hanging around guys like yourself or listening to a podcast or watch you know, just some of those small things that different ways to say it, different drills to 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 give guys opportunity to do it, uh, you know, just adds to. Uh, and that's the thing. It's got to add to. Uh, it can't be can't pull you in a different direction. It's got to add to the things that you're already uh, trying to be consistent at. So uh, if you're OK going this way, but I want to get into a little bit of uh, adjustments and defensive adjustments because you have such a this this solid core, this defensive identity, this philosophy. Now I'm curious, in-game adjustments, when when something starts to break down, what are some of the first steps for you guys in terms of adjustments on defense? Yeah, it's you know, if it's um, to look at it and, and evaluate it in the moment. And and first ask, you know, if it's if it's something that we, you know, sometimes it's they're making the shot that you want that you're okay with them making, you know, how how long can you know can they sustain it? Uh and that's a hard thing <laughs> being being willing to live with it. And and uh kind of you know, coming to a timeout and talking to the staff and uh, I know Emerson Camden, our assistant, because I may have some frustration because they're scoring, right? But it's like, hey coach, that's the that may be the shot we wanted to take. Let's you stay the course and see if they can keep doing it before we before we adjust. You know, so do we really need to do we need to make an adjustment yet? And then it may be. I think if we do, you know, is it personnel? Is it a personnel adjustment? Do we need just need to switch the matchup to be able to cover it? Is that before we actually change strategy? Can we change change personnel? Change our defensive matchup? You know, if we got a guy that's better trailing the screen or better fighting through a ball screen you know, switch the matchup so he can, you know, he can do that and uh, and move off, you know, uh, the guy that was getting beat maybe or a better post defender if the ball is going in the post too easy. Um, you know, do we adjust the matchup, you know, kind of will probably be the next line of thought before we go to – and we probably have talked about plan B if they continue to do – if in the game prep, practice prep leading up to an opponent, uh, there's probably a, you know, plan B in there, you know, so that – just in case uh, we got to go there, you know, we get a, get some reps at it. And, but we try to be just stick to our principles and not and not adjust a ton in our walkthroughs. It'd be, you know, I tell those guys, we're not going to go through every, we can't go through every single action that they have. So what are the, you know, what are the couple that they have to have? Uh, let's make sure our guys are aware of those. And, and then we're going to stick to our principles, you know, for, we got the way that we guard down screens, back screens, flare screens, flex cuts, you know, we, we just got to do what we do. And then we have to, you know, make the adjustment, go to plan B, even if it's for maybe a possession, uh, you know, just to throw them off so they see something different uh, and then get back to, you know, 
get back to our, our normal. Um, but just to give them a, if they're in a rhythm, because I think that's the biggest thing is it's a rhythm sport, uh, whether it's a player getting in the rhythm or a team, you know, they get in the rhythm. So how do we uh, we talk to our guys individually about that? Keep it. Keep your if you're on the ball individually. Keep keep it, the offense player. Keep him off balance. Break his rhythm. Uh, don't allow him to you know take rhythm dribbles. Uh, don't allow him to see two eye vision. You know, have a good smart pressure. I just const- constantly breaking the rhythm of the other team. So if they get in a good rhythm, you know, maybe we need to make an adjustment. It's very cool to hear that, and and it also struck me as you're saying that we always talk about offensive calls, offensive play calls, because it's very easy, and there's obviously calls to plays or however you signal them. But in terms of defensive in-game calls without giving us the calls necessarily what are some things that you can call from the bench on your team in terms of again whether it's making adjustments or just some emphasis or different things like that what are some in-game defensive calls that you use yeah we could call uh you know our 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 kind of like i said our standard defense we'd have a call if we want to pick up full court you know we can signal that from the bench just with our you know we're full court with no trap uh, just to, to maybe cut the clock some, you know, we could call that from the bench or if we wanted to pick up uh, when we we're in a situation or if we just wanted to change, again, break rhythm where, we, where we're going full court and maybe trap once uh, before and just kind of see how they respond. We can call, you know, from the bench, just on signal, you know, a um, half court, you know, kind of run and jump if, because now there's no five second call, right? So you can't, just apply pressure and get a guy to turn it over. So if we're in a situation where we need to go try for a trap or uh, trap a ball screen, you know, we can call that, you know, just straight from the bench. And, or if we want to switch one through four, if we want to switch everything, you know, those are things we can just kind of signal in on the fly, you know, and our guys can, they learn those, they know those. So it could be at the foul line. It could be after a make, you know, something we wouldn't have to take a timeout to be able to make that adjustment just make sure everybody's clear clear and has the calls so that we're all on the same page um and obviously if we if we do want to go zone we don't do that a ton but we, we can call and jump in the zone <laughs> yeah and curious even with that zone adjustment is that is that something you work on or it's more you work on zone because you're working on zone offense <laughs> or is it deliberate intent to work on zone defense yeah we um you know, we, we a little bit of both <laughs> because uh, I think a great way to work on your you know transition offense is to you know, play a little zone defense. So now guys don't have as they don't have to think as much, and you know the demand is a little bit less in terms of you know being locking and for us you know locking and trailing on every screen and jumping to the ball every time. You know, so it kind of you know eases the so that. But when they get to get a stop and get a rebound, and you can you can push into transition offense and, and look to score and explore and have some freedom up to the court. So we'll, we'll work it, you know, just so guys understand and, and know the principles, but to work on our zone offense, because there's, there's teams that mix defenses in our league for certain. So we've got to be, you know, we were a little bit better this year when we, than we were last year, but we're not, you know, we're, we're only going to do it so much and um, we're not that committed to zone, but we, if we need to do it, we need to, understand where everybody's, you know, what the, what the movements are and how to, how to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah. Good to know. Good to hear. And, you know, if we could, cause we really haven't done this very often, but like baseline inbound defense, do you guys have a set philosophy for everyone or do you adjust for scout, which I imagine you do. What are some of the things or some of the factors that go into your baseline inbound defense? You know, I think first thing first is, is is establishing how how important it is, so we don't relax. Like owning that moment, having that be something that's really important to your group, and uh, and we try to do that. You know, those special teams, as you might, some people might turn. I've heard that phrasing before, but really putting an importance on because it's going to be. You know, it's one two possession game, and how important that possession is. And and for us, you know, we talk about winning the moment. Uh, all the time. You can't be tough if you're not present and you got to be, so each possession matters. And and so um, really emphasizing how important, you know, those moments are and that we, uh, we're going to dictate and win them. And we're trying to, you know, from a schematic standpoint, it's, you know, similar principles to our half court 
Um, and we give our guys the advantage mentally to tell them, hey, look, it's five on four. They got a guy standing out of bounds. Right. So he can, so we got five defenders against four offensive players. Like, so so now we've got an advantage. We got to use it. Um, and still stand up like we're not switching a ton uh, in those situations uh, so that we can dictate, you know, that the ball is going away from the basket. I'm uh, trying not to trying to influence that and dictate that. And then, you know, loading to the ball. You know, a lot of times there's isolations or uh, quick post dumps coming out of the coming out of those situations. But really, really uh, creating a mindset uh, to own it, to dictate, uh, you know, a five on four mindset. So our inbounders important because he's got to be aware of the ball uh, and what the ball, what the passer and the inbounder is looking at so he can jump in and be a fifth defender, you know, and help influence where we want the ball to go and we want it to go, you know, way out top or out to the sideline. So then with the importance, you talked about the importance of inbound defense and owning that moment, which is great. How do you prepare them to own that moment? Is this something that are you working on inbound defense throughout the week? Is it a segment of practice and then game day, part of shoot around uh, film? Like what are some of the different ways that you help them own that moment? So again, I think language is is important. Uh, so we've got a, a call for the moment. So to kind of snap everybody in, you, you know, it just, a mental cue, uh, yeah, yeah, a, a cue. There you go. You're better at that stuff than I am. <laughs> uh, we've got a cue that's communicated. So as soon as that thing goes out of bounds, guys are guys are cueing each other up on, hey, here we are. We're in the moment. Everybody lock in. You know, that's kind of the, so a cue to get there. And then getting in the stance and, and being early to position, um, emphasizing those things, uh, and then you know, again influencing uh, what we what we want. So in the middle of a practice uh, scrimmage situation, you know, we're if they're not queuing up, it, it, it's you know there's accountability in terms of that because that's that's important. We got to make sure we remind each other and and make sure we cue each other up so that we're prepared. We're not going to get beat in this moment. Uh, we got to win the moment. I love that. And the, and the mental cue part of it is so important because like, I've always explained this to coaches like this is to get players to concentrate better. You need to teach them when they don't have to concentrate and inbound defense is such a great example of that because there's that moment where players can drop concentration, but then to get them to own the moment, you have that mental cue to get them back. I've always said that and timeouts and different opportunities like that would help that process. Did you learn that from another coach or was that from a sports uh, psychologist who brought that into your program? Uh, you know what? We had it uh, with coach Beeline at Michigan, uh, to Perfect, be honest. Yeah. You know, we, we emphasized it a ton uh, here, but in terms of the, the cue, it was something coach did. And then as I, you know, was, was educated further, um, understanding the importance of it in terms of psychology, the sports psychologist piece of it, but just to have those. Uh, and I think it's important in any, just to, to, to calm, um, to bring you back to present. Um, Cause we talk about that and emphasize that a lot. Um, and so having, you know, like you said, in the timeout, uh, something that, that cues you to, to snap back. Um, I'll, I'll tell our guys, it's not, cause it's not what happens. It's like, things are going to happen and you may your attention may go somewhere, uh, but you, but how quick can you snap back? And so there's a cue um, to bring you back to to present. So now you can do your job, uh, and and that's something that we you know you, you were talking about religiously is that everybody's got a job to do, um, and, you, and you're you're being relied on to do your job. You know if you if you're not clear on what that is, then we you know make sure you're asking. So I, I, you know, one of the things our guys could probably repeat, Chris, is uh, it's like I'll say, ask questions, ask questions for what, and they'll respond with clarity. It's like if you're not clear, that's on us. Like, but if you're clear, you know, now you gotta, you gotta execute, and you gotta be able to do it. And if if something happens, um, we gotta have a a response about us. That's tough. We gotta snap back, stay present, and move on. You know, next play mindset, state of course, whatever it is that uh, we say as coaches. But I do think having a verbal cue, you know, just brings them back to center, brings them back to focus. Well, and before coaches, uh, you know, 
try and contact you to find out the name of the or the mental cue you use, it doesn't matter. Like you could say peanut butter or whatever. It's just something that exactly. means something to your program. So the cue, that's it, just outstanding. I'm so glad you shared this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter what it is. It's you know kibbles and bits, whatever it is. This that they know what they know and you know. Uh, so when it's communicated, everybody understands what that means, right? That means, hey, I need to forget about what just happened and get present. Uh, and so I can focus on what I need to do right now. Um, the other part you said about is ask questions for clarity. And I love that because I, I say that all the time to coaches is the fact that if your players don't know an answer, that is something you need to know. Like it's so important because we just assume players will ask if they don't know the answer. But often we have to seek out the fact that they don't know the answer because that'll help direct what we should teach better or differently or more in terms of that. And is there a process for that within your program? Um, you know, I, we're big on, you know, we do a lot of call and response just so that and try to be, you know, like I said, simple. Um, and so, you know, in a shell drill, what are our absolutes? And they can pop them out pretty quick, you know, stance, vision, uh, position, communication, you know. Okay, so then when we stop, you know, blow a whistle in the middle of it. And it's like, hey, you know, tell me, tell me why I blew the whistle. And, you know, hopefully when I'm going to respond, you know, I wasn't in the right position. Or where, you know, where should you be? And um, I should be, you know, over on the midline, uh, whatever that position might be. But I think, you know, kind of simplifying you know, some things so that they can respond and, and, and answer quickly, right? Briefly. And so you can, you know, you can kind of coach and I think I've heard Kevin Eastman say, man, you can coach in bullet points. Um, but if they don't, if they don't know the answers to those, or they don't know those responses or they don't, they don't have, they're not habits. Um, you know, then we've got to make sure they're ingrained in them uh, and then correlate, you know, the, what they should actually be doing with the, uh, obviously with the verbal response, uh, here's the answer. Here's what that means. <laughs> it's tremendous. I love that. No, I think that, I think again, every, everything that you've shared over the last little while, so much of it isn't about what you teach. It's about how you teach. And, I, and I'm so grateful you gave us some of that depth, but be, before we go, like sideline inbound then, is there an emphasis there in terms of, do you prefer being on the ball? Do you like being off the ball? Uh, are you okay switching out? What are some things on sideline inbound since I asked you about baseline? Um, similar play. If it's a normal situation, you know, clock, the, the shot clock plays a part, uh, you know, score, time and score play a part in that. But if it's a just kind of a normal, you know, situation, we are, you know, the same thing where it's five on four, there's a guy standing out of bounds. So uh, for our inbounder to be a part of, you know, to be engaged, uh, and not, you know, some some jump around on the ball and, uh, you know, one good ball fake. Uh, and then, you know, now it's four on four. And so for our, for our inbounder to be engaged and be be active, you know, for us, we're not switching, but just trying to influence the ball out toward the top um, from a just principle standpoint, right? Like make them catch it going away from the basket. And that's kind of everything we do to try to not, not allow any penetrating passes. Uh, and then immediately you know, get to position, shrink the court and, and, and load up so we can, again, force, you know, dictate a, a tough two um, in that mindset. So but I think our inbounder being in, in, engaged in it is a big thing on the side um, so that he can help disrupt, you know, anything coming, uh, any penetrating passes coming toward the basket or, you know, coming toward the side. And sometimes guys are running shooters, you know, to the ball so he can help in that situation and force him force them to step out toward half court so we can, you know, keep them uh, further away on the perimeter. Coach, uh, part of this, all, all of this full circle teaching and all this different stuff, it, it still to a certain extent comes back to what type of feedback we give to players and what type of feedback we get from players. And then obviously our own self-reflection and that whole process. Can you talk about feedback and uh, this process? Yeah, Chris, I think that's a it's it's a critical piece um, and we we give it in a lot of ways, you know, individually, uh, offensively and defensively, just constant feedback. It's one it's one of the guys are, you know, they they all want to know how they're doing. Um, and and so I think making sure, 
you know, you have to demand and grade. And that's a big, big deal and holding them accountable. And then, um, you know, I, like I said, Emerson Campin on our staff is responsible, you know, for um, a lot of our grading. Uh, and so post game, you know, from a team standpoint, uh, de- our defensive efficiency rating, effective field goal percentage and uh, defensive rebound percentage are things that we are sharing. You know, we share that share with the team so they can see it um, and give them a standard of what's what, what what's uh, what's good and and what's not and correlating it with, you know, what we do. Um, so in terms of if we're really good in transition D, you know, then. You know, we're taking away easy baskets. We're taking away quick strikes. So now our DER will improve. Uh, I think connecting that is is a big thing. Uh, and then individually, you know, there's some accountability uh, feedback as well on doing your job on the lift of the shot. Like we, we grade that out. And so after each game, you know, he would be watching and, and giving a guy uh, a grade on it. You know, if there was how many opportunities and how many times you get it right. Um, so I think those things are, you know, just making the connection, uh, making sure that what you measure, you know, as, as they say, uh, what gets measured gets done. Right. And so making sure that those things correlate with uh, what your what your overall principles are, your overall philosophy is. And, um, you know, I think there's an, we took a step and improved and there's things to implement, but you can't the analytics piece can go crazy if you let it. <laughs> No question. And so trying to keep it honed in on on things that actually correlate with. Um, so our, if we're going to emphasize, you know, finishing and be obsessed to finish, then, you know, defensive rebound percentage matters. Then if you block out or if you don't block out matters. So let's grade it out and demand it and demand it be at a higher level. Coach, all of this has been awesome. I can't thank you enough for uh, taking time and sharing the game with us. And, uh, you know, even better that you listen and support the podcast. And uh, now you're a part of it as well. So thank you for that. No, this is great. And thanks for having me. And I hope you're staying safe in the, in the midst of everything. And I'm sure you've had some great conversations. There's a lot of time for that right now. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.